All right, so this is Business Acceleration Playbook Live. And obviously, like I said, we've been having a little bit of technical difficulties. Angela's running a little bit late. I don't know about Jeff. He may be running late too. So you know what? We're just going to go with the flow. I wanted to go ahead and get um, Albert introduced and on so he can share his wealth of knowledge with the world. I didn't want him to miss out on any time. So Albert, I'm going to have you jump in and introduce yourself and then we'll kind of go from there. Well, thank you, Maria. Ray, it's a pleasure to be here on your podcast. Uh, um, my name is Albert. I'm all the way from Croatia. I'm a sales and business coach, and I have been blessed uh, in the past decade to travel around the world, in fact, about 100 plus countries, and have conducted businesses in those countries, people with people of those countries, although I made my bones, so to speak, in U.S. business. So uh, this is where I focus on. And in fact, I have a little uh, LLC that I registered in U.S., uh, Albert Orser's Ideas Implementation Lab. Um, and yeah, basically, I'm um, taking individuals or small business owners that have a small sales team and show them how to go to that uh, next level in sales because I have gone through a lot of struggle, pain, uh, testing, uh, trial and uh, error, and I have found a way of success uh, by the virtue of these failures. So I'm sharing people uh, those shortcuts, ideas, tactics, and strategies. Which is amazing. And I think you... Um said you know it perfectly that you learned from your failures and i think most of us learn the best when we've kind of fallen on our face <laughs> you know yeah. Because, yeah you you feel Fell that a little bit forward, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i i know coach ray i didn't have a chance to let you kind of introduce yourself so let, let go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll kind of dive into asking albert some questions and allowing him to speak Sure, sure. I'll be very quick. Uh, I know I haven't been on regularly in the past couple of weeks, but uh, I'm Coach Ray Baxter from Coach Ray Speaks. I'm a business speaker. Uh, we speak uh, basically about business management, also classroom management for schools. Uh, I also work with clients similar to what Albert does and helping them to achieve better for their small businesses. Awesome. And um, we love Coach Ray. And, and Albert, I'm starting to love you as well. So I think you've got a lot of knowledge to share. And I did. I, I kind of checked out some of your stuff before you came on the show. And you have a lot of valuable um, things to offer businesses and teams. And you mentioned that sales strategy, sales team trainings and coaching is kind of your specialty. What got you into doing that? Was there just kind of a moment where you're like, I just really love sales? Or did you see the gap of knowledge? How did that begin for you? Well, thank you for this question. And I think it's a very important and valuable question. And in fact, um, before I answer that, uh, um, I, I want to say that uh, I believe that sales is everything. Either we are selling or we are failing. And it's ubiquitous. It's ever present. It's in every and any situation. Now, you can call it sales. You can call it influence. You can call it persuasion. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's what it is. And what I think sales is, is ability to understand and navigate through people's limitations for taking action and then helping them knocking down those barriers, those walls, and then move them into action rather than then thinking how they would, could, or should somewhere down in the future. And if you think it over, actually, you know, any great leader, any great politician, any uh, uh, a person that made a considerable difference uh, and impact to the world, they were great leaders. They were great influencers because they were able to persuade people. They influence ideas, emotions, uh, actions. They persuade people on what's possible so they can contribute more of themselves. And 
going back uh, to selling, you know, or influencing, you can do it with your friends, your family, your co-workers, uh, your employees, your prospective customers, or for yourself, for that matter. I think that is the most important and critical one because we have to sell ourselves. We have to persuade ourselves every single day and influence ourselves on our goals, on our dreams, on our desires, and what we are capable to do. Now, for me, I already shared with you, is I have you know, been in business uh, about a decade. However, it started actually a lot earlier. Uh, I had a first entrepreneurial stint actually when I was five years of age here in Zagreb, Croatia, where I was born and raised. Every summer, right next to my building, they would have uh, free aerobics classes for women. There would be hundreds of women at the time there, and my mom would also attend. And, you know, she would schlep me with herself, and I would meander there, and I would be like a little mascot there. And with a few support of other uh, grown-ups, I concocted the idea that I will uh, sell lemonade there because, you know, it was hot. They were sweating. They were huffing and puffing and exercising. <laughs> so I employed my mother, you know, free labor, and I set up that lemonade stand right next day. And for that entire summer, I had a, a runaway hit. And I was, quote, unquote, successful little entrepreneur. And that's got me hooked. And this is something that looking back at it right now, obviously, I didn't <laughs> I had the ability to articulate it in the words that I have right now. But that was a very poignant moment in my life because that success got me hooked and that spirit never abandoned me and also i believe it started me on endlessly fascinating journey of discovery that i'm still traversing and i'm still uh, going on so i think this is where it started and kind of progressed but i realized that influence is everything and that's why uh, i'm so passionate about it absolutely well albert let me ask you a question so you say you work with sales teams so what do absolutely. you what do you think is the biggest failure of a sales team? Uh, well, with your experience. I, um, but my experience, what I see uh, very often is a lack of preparation. It just depends. You know, I, I look at nine or nine or ten things that uh, need to be in place to make sure that the sales is running smooth because uh, selling is from A to Z, from open to close, from preparation. Right. So it starts with the inspiration and motivation. You have to have them on a, on a high state, uh, your salespeople. You know, they have to be motivated to, to uh, uh, do that action. Then you have to have a goal-setting process as well. Sometimes people have impotent goals and they just meander around. They're like, you know, looky-loos. You know, they're like, they have complete apathy for being at work. Then very often it falls short with scripts. People do not have scripts. Now, I'm a big believer in scripts because it gives you the framework to operate with in terms of communication. Now, it doesn't have to be. Some businesses, they need to have really precise scripts, especially if they're young, if they're starting out, if they don't know what they're doing. So script helps. Now, if you don't have that detailed description of script, you can have a framework to work with because you need to know what are the steps along the way that you need to touch base on and that you need to dial in what's your message. What are the needs, wants, desires, proclivity, pain points? What's the pleasure that you and your service can provide? Scripts very often actually is what I see is very, very detrimental. Now, when you do this, how do you close that sale respectfully? How do you close that sale elegantly? How do you combat the objections and actually prepare for them? Because, you know, everyone's going to have an objection. And I'm not talking about twisting someone's arm because I think that's disrespectful. And, you know, shoving someone uh, a product down the throat is not like you want to have a business, not in the long-term run. But how do you navigate through those objections? And how do you present it in a manner that is most compelling to that other person? 
person to take action. And then when you have them to say yes, how do you over deliver? How do you refer prospect? How do you make sure that they go out to their friends and family members and tell all about you, your service, your company, and all of your people, how you are great and you have an influx of business that will actually then be coming by uh, the virtue of you being excellent. And then also, sometimes people fall short on not having a good sales management. Now, if you have a goal that you have for the team, let's say just arbitrary numbers so we have easier math. If you have $100,000 for the month, for the year, it doesn't really matter. Have 100000 How do you break it down in bite-sized chunks? How do you measure it along the way? Because you can't really manage what you can't measure. And sometimes people are like just, you know, they let off the reins and see, let's see what's going to happen. You know, they just wing it. So you have to have that gauge and you have to have complete control over it because if you don't, obviously, uh, highly unlikely is you're going to achieve that goal. So these are the elements that I look into and then I see where is the acumen on that in the current business model, what, where, where they are in those, uh, you know, those pillars. And then we can see which ones we can build immediately to give that, you know, 2080 immediately you get a shot in a production. And then how can we then complementary build others around it to support it and then to go to next level? I hope that explains it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So do you find that, and I, I know my opinions on it and from studies I've read, but do you find that a lot of salespeople are kind of missing the mark on making their sales script by not putting some emotional type of sales pieces in there to really tie in the emotion of the product or the service to the person that they're talking to's goals? Yeah, I mean, um, sometimes, and I see it actually, you know, going uh, in each directions. Sometimes they're trying to just, you know, create a script if they have one with all the, you know, hyperbole hype and you trust me, believe me. And, and, and that is not good. And most often that's a very loose script, obviously. And then they just focus on emotions. And then sometimes um, uh, they, they focus only on logic. But I think you need to have a, a combination of both because we are emotional people. We make decisions based on emotions. Now, we do yeah. not want to feel silly. We do, you don't want to think like, oh, my God, I got myself talked into something like, uh, you know, you want to. You don't want to make an impulse decision. So you make that decision based on emotion because even if you are a business person, if you are, you know, C-level executive, you know, numbers game will give you an emotion, give you prestige, credibility, you know, get some rewards, but you need to back up that emotion with certain logic. So we make decisions, buying decision based on emotions, but we justify it with logic. And that is that balance that we need to have. And very often I don't see having both of these elements working together hand in hand, which is necessary to have, you don't have that buyer's remorse, then, you know, you, you, you button up the sale basically like that. Uh I like that. Well, super well put. It's like, it's like you coach people in sales or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's true. But, but Albert, how, how do you control – okay, you mentioned scripts. How do you control the conversation through a script? Uh, or, or do, businesses don't normally teach that. They normally say, okay, here's a script. You're looking at the script, and but scripts don't often stay the same. You know, you go off script – and people don't know how to sell after that. They don't know how to engage in a conversation. They feel boxed in. Again, a lot of businesses don't teach that. So what do you do to teach the true leaders of a business, which are the people that are on the phones or other people that are in sales? How do you teach them to, to, to engage in a conversation so that the sale comes in naturally? 
organically? It's it's about the questions because the script is, you know, it's not about what you say. You know, obviously it is at some point in the latter stage of sale, you have to present your product, your ideas. But the questions are the most critical components in any type of conversation because the person that asks questions is the one that leads the conversation. So having that masterful uh, design questions is going to help you lead the conversation because you'll get to know a person's wants, needs, desires, proclivities, pain points. And then when you are interacting and engaging with it, they're going to like you. They're going to trust you. They will realize that you care with asking pertinent questions about their dreams. How can you help them? with that that is actually the 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 foundation but also you know designing the the script you know what's going to happen after first objection second objection third objections fourth objections you know how do you go about it without being forceful without being intense how to be elegant and just predict and expect that's going to happen you know just depends because some businesses run on uh, one call close so to speak two call close some businesses have a, a relationship that takes months you know that you have to build those relationships to get that high ticket item so it just depends it's there is no uh, one size fits all but you need to adjust accordingly where the team is right now with the script with understanding how can they flow naturally and then going from there and writing it out or maybe have some notes because imagine if you have a movie a hollywood big movie without a script (laughs) imagine what kind of movie would you see it would be awful now you have some movies that they have to be if you if it's Shakespeare it has to be it has to be line by line you can't you know you can't improv Shakespeare but then there are some experts you know like uh, a listers that go off script all the time but they have that experience and ability uh, to to go off script and still sound natural. Absolutely, I think that's a great analogy actually to really kind of put it in perspective that you know the difference between the Shakespeare you know, um, version and then kind of the A-lister version. I like that. And Angela popped in secretly like a magician. So I'm going to let her um, go ahead and introduce herself and say hi to you and see if she has a question. Oh, um, hi, Albert. throw you right in there. Thank you. Thank you. I want to know all things sales. So, um, yeah, my name's Angela Buckley and I work for Creatively Efficient. And so I do a lot of consulting and really my focus is on leadership development for the emerging leader. So um, that's, that's my focus. I really enjoy that, but it is definitely a long lead sales cycle based on a lot of relationships and I do not have a script. So when I had a little fitness business, I had scripts ready and I had other people that were able to sell, but I don't have that level of detail in my current business. So I would love to understand how I help other people engage in my sales cycle. <laughs> well, you have a script, uh, whether you know it or not, you know, at least you have a frame of a frame in your head, you know, by mm-hmm. the virtue of your experience and you, you, you want to, here's the thing, you know, uh, the script is a well thought out, uh, an idea. All right. Uh, it, it, and also it gives you direction. It's goal based conversations. Some people, you know, do goals every single day. I actually do them twice a day because I like to see, you know, 
how I'm progressing on those goals and like to have it in front of my face. So, you know, I'm reminded of that and it, it keeps the focus and attention moving forward. That doesn't mean that's the only way because two plus seven equals nine, three plus six equals nine, four plus five equals nine. Some people are more natural. Some people are more driven and they have that uh, indefatigable desire in them and they just go for it. And then, you know, they either find a way or they make one. So like I say, you know, it, it, it's not one size uh, fit, fits all, um, but you have certain outcomes that you're trying to achieve in every linguistic encounter, in every interaction, whether that be solidify the relationship, whether that be, you know, selling yourself or whether that be, you know, providing some uh, case studies. But I believe that, you know, you don't go on your calls, even though in those long sales cycles and just you don't talk about, you know, how was the tea and all that stuff. Very often, I would say that that's not the case. Absolutely. I agree. And yeah. I know you, Angela, and I've heard you speak a lot of things. And even though you might not have a script, I can guarantee you it is very, very well thought out. You are very analytical. So <laughs> you have guarantee you it is very well thought out. So um, I am I, analytical. So thank you. That's the key right there. Yeah. So absolutely. And, and I like that. And I like the fact that you broke it down in such a way um, that makes it super easy kind of for anybody to understand. Um, you know, I think there are different ways of coming to making that that sales call. And I think I think the key for me has always been kind of diving into your own personality and not trying to kind of shove a square peg into a round hole. You know, that's something that I've kind of always been passionate about with my own salespeople, even, you know, if they've got a very outgoing personality, kind of a crazy personality, we'll work with that. If they are more analytical, you know, and we work with that because I think there's benefits to both, you know, sides. And, but I think it's really tapping into that specific person's personality and enhancing it, you know, instead of trying to make it something different. That's always been kind of the key for me. Is that something that you teach or do you kind of teach opposite to that? I think it's it's malleable if the question is directed to me. It, it, it is yeah. malleable. It just depends on what kind of team are you running, uh, what kind of people you're having. Um, but the thing is, what I see very often, you know, uh, with people, with sales team, you, you, you have one or two or three guys or gals that are just knocking it out of the park and they're carrying the load for the entire sales uh, department. The rest are falling back and falling short. And those two or three gals and guys, they're natural. They are unconsciously competent in certain things. So basically what to do is extrapolate them all of the good things that they're doing, you know, obviously with adding some certain system. So everyone can actually model that way of success and helping themselves out. Now, again, doesn't have to be like this script, like every single word, what you say. Some industry, because of legality or something like that, they have to be very concise. What are they saying? In which way are they presenting it? Because they can get in trouble. But some uh, industry are not so strict but the thing is you know having the outcomes so you can go and evaluate okay you had a call and then if a sales manager comes in ask okay what's the pain point that we are dealing with and if a salesperson says oh I don't know or if they assume which is the worst thing that you can do in sales call you know assume <laughs> makes an ass of you and me <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can say this but anyway you guys have that so We're on the internet, it's about no sensors no yeah, so, 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 so knowing what are the goals? Okay, did we find out, you know, where is this person right now on this path? 
why they need, who are they dealing with right now? What is the experience that they're having so far? What would be ideal outcome that they have? Can they make that decision? Can they make that decision by themselves? What is the pain that they had in the past so far by using this product or service or not having it? What's the potential pain that they will have if they don't change? And then what's the pleasure that they think they would feel if they have that change in their life by the virtue of your product or service? Knowing these kind of things in a conversation helps. And then it's just you're setting goals and you can evaluate afterwards and say, okay, Oh, I did this. I asked this. I asked this. Oh, I didn't ask this. Maybe it was this part. So, you know, if you don't have it and you have people winging it, then very often the results are not uh, fabulous. For example, Angela, you're probably a natural person in doing that. And you would be probably one of those, you know, 10, 20 percent people that are knocking it out of park in a sales organization. Now, we want to have entire organization be at least, you know, uh, close to you. And that comes with, uh, you know, in inventing some type of script and having those goals that they need to achieve in that conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for that compliment. Um, I'm not sure it's valid, but she's like, I'm glowing now. I know. Hey, right? I, saw, I saw the smile. I saw the it's, smile. On it's face. a glowing kind of day, but well, thank you for being humble. But uh, you know, you being here uh, is uh, a testament that you are because you're, you're doing it. I'm, I'm learning. I'm still learning. Right, Maria? It's and, always, everything's learning. It's a learning. We're all learning. We're and all I learning. wanted to say something, Red. I appreciate you say that. And this is one of the, one of the big failures that I see in an individuals in Salesforce as well is, but not understand that it's a never ending journey of discovery. It's a path that is always under construction, a road that you always have to build. And in fact, what I see very often is successful salespeople get to be complacent. They get to be too big in their head. They rest on their laurels and they become soft because they're like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm good for next six months. I, <laughs> I filled my quota. And that's the issue that I see. You know, you always constantly need to seek a way how to grow, move that target. What's the next goal? And in fact, the worst thing about it is when they are in that wonderful state of mind, when you are like in power, I'm like, I, I just, you know, uh, knocked it out of the park and I finished my year six months earlier. Use that energy, leverage it and go in it. And you're going to, you know, quadruple your sales because you have that power. You have that confidence, certainty, clarity, conviction. You have that enthusiasm and you transfer that because at the end of the day, sales on the conceptual level is transfer of emotion. And this is what I often see, you know, with good people knocking out of the park is they're like, oh, you know, that's good enough. And they have, they don't have those goals that excites them and they don't move that target to the next level. We, you know, we talk in leadership um, development about the difference between persistent and consistent, right? So you might be that first person who gets there in six months and maybe you're very persistent in hitting your goal, but consistent is where the money really is. Right. So being able to attain excellence, that's kind of exciting. It's it's fun falling in love. Right. It's meeting the new it's chasing. But now can you maintain it? And that's not something that is natural to our culture, really, in the United States. We're a lot more about the chase than we are about the maintain. So learning how to get there and stay there is really a challenge for people. 
it's not just a uh, excellent game it's about game excellence um, yep. sometimes i just you know we need a little course correction and a little bit of someone to hold us accountable very often it helps it does you know team teamwork makes it worthwhile sometimes right and and it's okay to take a break and then get back at it but it's not okay to quit there's a difference absolutely 100% so as far as communication goes, I know that's one thing that I am super passionate about on every aspect, but um, not just because I talk a lot, but also because I think it's important. But, you know, how how important would you say great communication is to building and maintaining an effective sales team? It's everything. I mean, it doesn't really matter what we do, where we live in the world personal relationship and effective communication is a skill that you must master and it's going to involve and be permeating every single level of any organization. And I'm talking not just business, your friends, your family. I mean, if you don't have a communication and personal relationship, you know, um, that means you're not going to have that long-term relationship and long-term successes, whether that be, you know, with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, family, especially if you lead a, a team of people that they're working for you, they need to be constantly inspired, motivated, invigorated, and they need to feel respected. And this is something that I see uh, that uh, co-workers or employees are being seen through prism of uh, uh, just a number and bottom line. And that is also very detrimental because you can have people that are you know, creating the result, but they don't feel respected. They don't feel like human beings. And then, you know what, uh, sooner or later, they're going to migrate somewhere else or they're just going to start uh, oozing and exuding uh, that energy. You know, someone said it many years ago. I don't remember who, but I, 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 I fervently believe that is so true, is that you need to treat your employees like they are your best customer because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, they are. Because how you treat them, this is how they're going to treat your customers and clients. So absolutely, personal relationship uh, is important and especially communication. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, was, I, I wanted to ask this because personal communication, leadership, We've all mentioned these things, but a lot of companies, I guess their their relationship with their people are from a top down instead of a bottom up process. And how if I'm a, if I'm a sales leader in an organization, quote unquote, because I have a position and I have my customer service reps or or sales reps on the bottom, they're the true leaders of of the of the group of the team. How do I in fact motivate? How do I lead that team? Or how do I get them to realize that? They're the true leaders. And what should I do as a as a business owner, let's say, to get them to feel that way? But just communicate it. Um, I think that's a, that's a very valid point because it often happens. People um, do like mission statement, value statement. They say, you know, over serve and over deliver, but they're incongruent with those value statements, how they behave between each other in an organization. So communication saying, you know, what was done right, actually uh, single out people that did something really special and tell them why they did it, but also not in a way that you alienate the rest of the team. But um, also leading by an example, because uh, the true leader goes first. He shows and leads by an example, by empathy, by caring, and showing that care within the entire organization, because leaders between leaders, if they show that empathy, care, and it's permeating the entire organization, it creates that company culture that is healthy and that everyone actually wants to buy in and gravitate towards. 
Absolutely. And before Coach asked, Angela looked like you were getting ready to ask a question too. Well, yeah, but now we got onto a different topic, so it's all good. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I was wondering about how do you find the right words that resonate with your audience? Like, what do you do to sort of dip your toe? So I have a 13-year-old son. And the other day, or I guess it was two seasons ago, thanks to COVID, but all of a sudden he showed up and played a great game of lacrosse. And I knew he had it in him, but he didn't always. He just didn't always show up on the field, right? And I asked him, I'm like, what What just happened? Like, you played a stellar game. It was really fun to watch him. And he's like, Mom, it was a different coach. And his words, his words were different. And he just loved this guy. It was a substitute guy. And I guess he was very, very positive. I heard none of the words, but one day one person shows up and you see a completely different performance from a child. It's no different, I believe, um, with our adults. But how do we find those right words without alienating in the process, you know, pivoting? What are the little things? Do you have any sort of techniques for that? Well, I can't really. That's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, it goes to show as an example that, uh, you know, a communication can be so powerful because I don't think, you know, they deferred so much about the training and the way how they would, you know, you know do push-ups and all that stuff. So <laughs> it's all about communication, inspiration and motivation. And, you know, these, these kids, they were in a state of mind that they can tap into more of their potential, who they already were. And that's so beautiful. Um, the thing is what I would suspect. I, I can't really tell for sure, but he was able to communicate it in a way that they felt that he's like one of them with respect. You know, Kim Blanchard who wrote a book, uh, Well Done, and it's about uh-huh. how how uh, uh, whale trainer, trainers, and without going into the industry and all that stuff, in my opinion about it, but what whale trainers are doing is they are actually congratulating a, a good performance. Everything mm-hmm. that is done good is being rewarded in, on a psychological and on a physical level. So him accentuating the positive all the time actually created a positive energy within the team. And then probably, I would assume, he was able to communicate in a way that they felt he's one of them and they listened because he created a rapport. And something that I teach in sales that man can correlate with this perhaps is you do not communicate to each and every one uh, the same way. If you talk to a doctor or you talk to a mechanic, you use, use slightly different um, words. But also, not just you know by you know what's the vocation, so use the vernacular or vocabulary, but also matching a certain energy. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in matching and mirroring and pacing and leading. Basically. Oh, yeah. it's- Somebody's visual, it starts, it speaks very, very fast and use visual cues. I picture this, imagine this. You want to actually communicate to them, which is most compelling and most respectful for them, for them to take action. You speak in the same manner, a little bit faster and you say, Hey, picture this, imagine this. You throw these words back at them and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, this guy or gal, they understand me. You speak my language. Or if someone is more in auditory, a little bit more slower and like, Oh, I hear what you're saying. This clicks for me. You say you know is this clicking for you you hear what i'm saying and they're like oh okay it's a little bit slower it's if it's a kinesthetic so i believe is entering another person's world is the most respectful and most effective way of actually influencing someone because then 
they feel understood and they will let you lead them. And I don't know if anyone ever, if, as an example, if you've ever been to France, you can attest to that. If you go in France and you want to speak to them and you start immediately speaking English, they will be highly indignant and they will not speak English uh, with you. And if you're ordering some food, I would be, I would watch out what I'm eating, you know? Uh, <laughs> so most respectful thing, what you can do is either if you speak French, speak French to them, but I, I go inside and say, Pinton, and I can't speak French at all. And I, I know I rememorize this for uh, specifically so I can approach people. I, and I would say, Pardon, parlez-vous anglais? And they say, un petit, and then start speaking English like, like they grew up in London or in uh, <laughs> Dallas, you know? Uh, but being respectful, they open up. And we have a rapport, which is we, we have an exchange of energy. I'm being respectful for where they are right now. And we start to communicate and, you know, it, it opens up. And they are trying, to, even if they don't speak really well, they really try to communicate in a way that um, I will understand. And then it goes back and forth. So that's my opinion, what I think uh, that coach did. You know, obviously, again, there's different ways. But I think, you know, that, that would be uh, it if um, I had to guess. I think that's fabulous, and I agree with you. I think it's important to kind of meet people where their feet are planted and speak their language. And the whole time you're speaking, I'm thinking about my children. I have I have seven children. One of them <laughs> is on the spectrum, um, so he's autistic. And I always explain autism to people as a language barrier, you know, as he speaks a different language. With autism, he speaks the natural language of autism. So, you know, the first few years of his life was very much just both of us trying to learn each other's language. And it was very frustrating for both of us involved. Um, and even now, you know, he is always going to natively speak his autism language and I'm always going to natively speak my language as neurotypical. So it's always going to be this issue of if there's a miscommunication, it's typically going to go back to just a misunderstanding on the language barrier. And I think that can be said, whether you're speaking, you know, actual language barriers or just, you know, the idea that your employees or coworkers, you know, grew up in a different area, grew up a different way, you know, you know, saying this couple of sentences in your household, you know, may be completely fine, but saying it to this other person, you know, that they may take complete offense to that. So just very much being able to be, you know, cognitive about the fact that this can be an issue. Um, you know, I grew up in a very sarcastic family, like very, that, that, that it was our family's love language. <laughs> so I'm constantly having to watch, you know, what I say to not accidentally, you know, hurt somebody's feelings because, you know, that's never my intention. And I think it's equally important if you notice that you hurt somebody's, you know, feelings to go back and say, that's not how I meant it, you know, and right. I usually would disclaimer myself to say, you know, sarcasm is one of my love languages. So if I accidentally come off, you know, as being super rude and sarcastic, it's not that it's just kind of how I express myself. And I think it's important to be able to, you know, humble yourself to that point to not think that you always have kind of the best way of saying things or doing things. And so that I just wanted to kind of note that that's those that were the kind of the thoughts that was going through my mind when you were speaking. You said it so beautifully. I mean, it's a prime example. Thank you for sharing. I mean, uh, I, your audience probably already knows that, uh, but uh, I really, you touched me. So thank you for thank you for sharing and thank you for uh, it's, an, it's an exemplary example of how it you know it, it works. Angela, Coach Ray, you have anything that you want to ask? 
Well, yeah, actually, I do because I, I I agree wholeheartedly, and I, I've coached football. I coached college and high school football for years, and you know that my my some of the best coaching jobs I did were with losing teams because I was able to actually affect the kids to do better in school and the next the next season. Uh, I hate to say that, but that's kind of true. Um, but Albert, my next question to pivot a little bit is: What do you do with chaos creators? Because you have those on these teams too. Uh, on sales teams, you have got whether they be the highest earning revenue person or somewhere in the middle. Uh, there are and even managers. There are chaos creators within teams. So, what do you do to either to get them to be on board, or perhaps there may be a move that needs to be made? You know, a separation. I mean, what do you do with, in an organization where you find chaos creators, and how do you find them? Because they they tend to hide. Uh, I mean, uh, that's a that's a really uh, important question. I think uh, you, it's it's about being able to evaluate who is contributing what. And I think any type of organization, you know, if you go out in the trenches, people will tell you. People people know who is doing what. And people know who is having which kind of impact on a team. Who's negative? Who is creating chaos? And even if they are a higher performer, I believe and I suggest always uh, you need to evaluate, you know, the pros and cons. It's just like, you know, like a balance sheet and see, you know, what what is it that you're getting and what is it that you're losing? And you have to look at it in a way in terms of long term relationship. How because if someone has uh, that stinking thinking, they are creating uh, chaos in the organization. It's insidious. And if they're starting to spread that energy, I mean, in the long term, you can actually have entire sales force being completely disrupted, complete discord, and you know, you you will face serious challenges. And I, I would say, like maybe three strikes or not, uh, three strikes uh, and you're out. You know, effective communication because everyone, I think, everyone needs to have an opportunity to to to, to amend themselves because sometimes people do things automatically; they don't really know what they're doing. But uh, identifying that problem trying to deal with the issue because in a big picture this is what's going to happen this is how you're affecting this or that you know having that genuine conversation and setting the boundaries and say listen you know if we if we can't uh, get to terms we can't get to change these things uh, a long-term run this is going to have a detrimental effect for the for the entire team you have to you have to let them go because you know they say you you ought to hire slow and fire fast. And I'm not saying, you know, firing just people, you know, being crazy about it. But, you know, you want to hire for the values, not for the competencies. You can learn competencies and teach competencies. But for the values, if the values are aligned with your organization, with yourself, if you are like you have a small team of people, then you're going to be good. You're going to be bouncing off. You're going to have that good uh, energy. Now, if you already inherited, uh, you know, these employees, and, you know, or you just learn that this is how it ought to be done, you have to reevaluate it. I think it's in business, in life, we all constantly need to reevaluate where we are and how, what we do. It doesn't matter if it's an activity or is it an employee, we need to see how is this activity or employee contributing to long-term success of my life, of the company, of the organization, and then you have to deal with it, you know, and you have to have that strength and, 
and you know draw a sand uh, land uh, a line in the sand i should say and then uh, if that uh, line is crossed then you know uh, you have to do it because at the end of the day you know energy is everything and i believe in sales as well what you are is what you're going to get so you have to have that enthusiasm and i already touched base a little bit about it you know clarity conviction courage uh, empathy enthusiasm because that is what is transferred to others and it goes with, with with yourself first if you don't have that certainty if you don't have that clarity if you don't have that courage if you don't have that conviction how will you share that how will you give that to others if you don't love yourself how will you love someone else you have to have your cup first so you can share uh, what you have inside of you. And if someone is there inside an organization just taking and taking that energy and then throwing out something that is poisonous, quote unquote, you have to get rid of the poison because sooner or later everyone's going to get poisoned and then you, you're going to die. Uh, metaphorically, your business will die. And then, you know, a lot of pain and struggle you will have to go to get back where you were. I call it cancer. Absolutely. Right? Like that, that toxic personality is very cancerous to an organization and it, it can be slow growth, but it can dominate when you least expect it, right? Like you just, it's very difficult to deal with sometimes the, the quiet, right? The person, you know, you were saying, Ray, sometimes you don't always see it or they're a high performer. Um, it's really hard to identify when to rip that bandaid off and really, you know, show that, show that little pus to the sunlight. Absolutely. But I think it's the best thing for everybody involved, not only the business um, that they're in now, but honestly, sometimes these toxic people are toxic in this specific environment, but you move them to another environment and they flourish because they're just not in the right, it's not the right fit. They're not in the right spot. And I've seen that happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Like if, if somebody feels that one of their, you know, team members or staff, you know, is very toxic, you know, a lot of times the best thing that they can do is kind of set them free from that situation. It, you know, relieves the business they're in at the time from that toxicity and allows that person to kind of go out and find their fit. Cause I believe everybody has a fit. 100%. And uh, emotion- that- oh, sorry, Albert. Go ahead, Angela. Absolutely. Uh, go, go ahead. And I'm often, tr- I try to be very cautious when, um, when we do let someone go that not, that we're not criticizing and ruining their future path as well. So maybe they weren't a fit for our organization. Maybe they weren't fit for the position that they're in at the time. And, and we have seen also busy moms or busy dads, right? Like there's just a time where something else is not, it's just not right for us, for them. And that doesn't mean that they're a bad person. So identifying how you can open up a path of success for them by not being a part of your organization, it builds up both your community, but also your organization and that person. We don't need to like just completely step on them. That's not the goal. The objective is that my business is thriving and through that thriving step, maybe this is a survival step, but it gives them that opportunity to move forward as well. I think it it's difficult to do it sometimes. There's high emotions associated with it, but we don't have to tear people down in order to move forward. I'm glad you mentioned that because there are a lot of folks that are scared to have those conversations. Yes, they're not easy. I'm not, not going to say that I learned how to do this when I was 20. <laughs> I made plenty of mistakes in my life, 
unfortunately, and I apologize for them, but I've learned kind of, you know, school of hard knocks. You said it so beautifully, and that's a that's a great example. You know, maybe it's just someone is too busy, inundated with certain different activities in their life that are not complementary to the mission and for, through to the business that they're conducting. And it doesn't mean they're a bad person; it's just that they're not right fit for this time in this organization. Uh, and that comes into knowing their values and their goals, and helping them designing those goals. Because if they're aligned, then you know you're on the mm-hmm. same path. You know if path goes differently there's nothing wrong you just have different values in different path and what you said and i really love that is you know you want to deal with this respectfully in a really nice elegant manner because not only that you are not going to crush this person which you don't want to do but also you are leading by an example and showing your entire organization showing your entire team that you are respecting everyone even those that are not fit for this organization and that is that then that example where people then say wow you know i want to aspire to be like that and i want to be with this kind of organization because you know we all have our, our thoughts you know like even the person that is being cut you know they they're treated with such care and respect and grace I mean, it, it paints a picture, you know, yeah. people do not uh, associate with negativity. Very seldom that happens. And especially if you see your peer is getting cut and treated like they are pawns come, you're like, well, what's going to happen? Am I next? And am I next? Is this going to happen to me, you know, in a couple of months and all that? But if it's, you know, handled with care and with tact, you know, they, they feel a little bit safer. They feel a little bit more at home and they would go tomorrow and go with more zest and more gusto and say, you know what? These people care. I should care more even for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely agree. You said it well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now call a spade a spade. I was going to say, you know, it's it's a glowing kind of day, so thank you. Oh, well. <laughs> I give credit we, where credit is due. Well, we had sunshine this morning. It's the first day we've had around here without a bunch of clouds, and so is it? we started out with a nice warm sun glow, and I guess it's just going to keep going on. It's Absolutely. a good to start your week on a high note. In Croatia, yeah. you know, without me us going and digressing into full weather conversations, but in Croatia here right now, really nice weather for the last few days, and I'm, I'm I'm very grateful. Even though it actually now hinders me into going uh, ice baths that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It was cold. It was like uh, you know, like uh, 20 Fahrenheit, or which is like minus in 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 Celsius, and you yeah. go to those ice ice baths. Yeah. I, I like that. Very healthy. I love them, but I don't know. I'm, I lived in Europe for a long time, so that's a good yeah, deal. It's, it's, yeah, it tends to be cold sometimes. At once in a while, yep. <laughs> I, do not, I do not enjoy the cold, so there's, there's Me neither. I like the, the sun. <laughs> I'm the one that as soon as the sun comes out, I'm like the plants, and I'm just like opening towards the sun. <laughs> like, yes, finally. I do not enjoy winter. I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> And I hate shoveling, so that, that answers for me. Oh, yeah, shoveling. I don't think uh, there's a person alive that's going to say, hey, I, I enjoy shoveling. <laughs> that's awesome. So as far as kind of taking these same concepts, I know the, a lot of the things we've been talking about, I think 
it's it's been sounding a lot like a large team. So what if we kind of like brought this down to like a super small business? Because obviously there's a lot of small businesses out there and entrepreneurs that have been struggling, um, you know, especially from you know, 2020, I know that's like a bad word now, but I just went ahead and said it anyway, you know, from, you know, the pandemic and everything changing and it's still kind of there lingering. What is the advice for a small team? Um, I know a lot of these things obviously can be, inter, you know, you know, interchangeable, but, you know, as far as somebody that maybe doesn't have a sales team, but is looking to develop a sales team, what are some kind of one, two, three steps to be able to, you know, start out right? Because obviously it's better to kind of start out correctly than it is to kind of rewind and try to fix the issues. Absolutely. Um, great question. Um, well, um, First of all, I'm just going to note something that, uh, again, you know, it's not really positive, but uh, we need to be aware. According to Washington Post, in 2021, 49% of small businesses in the U.S. will go under, uh, which means 51%. Uh, yeah. But they're not going to thrive. They're going to survive, you know, not all of them. There's going to be a very small amount that are going to be profitable. So, you know, you want to avoid that, you know, being in that uh, one out of two small businesses. So, you know, obviously, we, we can see how the the business landscape um, is looking right now. But what I would suggest, number one, and this is something that I see very often with uh, business owners or leaders in a business, when the going is tough, what they do is they see where they can cut the cost. And what they look at first is they look at sales and marketing, whether that be, you know, you know, solopreneur or small team, doesn't matter. They look at sales and marketing because this is where most of the money normally goes to and these people are paid the most. And they start cutting on sales and marketing, which is the exact opposite that they ought to be doing because sales and marketing is the lifeblood of any business, you know. Mm -hmm. And think about it as an analogy. If you get sick, would you take out your heart and say, hey, well, we're going to put this on the side until we get better? <laughs> no, that's the exact opposite. You need that heart to pump all the good nutrients to clean up the mess now some people would say okay albert i get it you know sales and marketing but marketing costs money and you know i don't have a lot of to invest and i get it now ideally marketing doesn't cost money my ideally marketing is an investment you put a dollar you get at least a dollar back you get a customer or two or three or four or five now if people had that padded down obviously they wouldn't be wondering and asking those questions themselves they wouldn't be in a trouble or in that you know uh area of concern so what i suggest then at this time maybe not focusing on marketing this is something that should be revisited later because you need to know your marketing but then double triple and quadruple down on sales so you have to have that, whether that be uh, in sales of one or sales of four or sales of seven, you have to make sure that you understand your process of sale and have something that is holistic. And then sometimes people try to figure out that by themselves and they read a book here, they watch a free YouTube video here, and then they read another book over here, and then maybe they buy a course from someone who is that hyper, uh, hyper niche uh, uh, influencer that uh, shows you how to get more sales with smoldering look or effective handshake. And, you know, <laughs> and I see this. It's been bastardized to all over Facebook. Facebook. It's, my it's my smoldering look right there, Maria. Yeah, like, hey, that's going to get you more sales. I mean, okay, maybe that's one aspect. Where are the other 99,000 elements that you have to align? So learning 
a system that can show you from open to close how to prepare, how to motivate, how to uh, open a, a presentation, how to control it with conversation, how to close the sale, how to rebut handle rebuttals, how to re create uh, referrals, how to over deliver. So having a system, it doesn't really matter. I would always suggest learn from someone. If you have a, a person in your company or, a, or your friend or neighbor that has a system, but it's important that it's a system because with a system, with a predictable set of action, you get basically the same result. So learning sales important in a holistic manner and that is tested and that is working as a, a, a whole. Because if you try to tape the, these things together with a YouTube video, smoldering look over here, a book over here, and try, try to tape this together, it's not going to work. It's not tested to work together. And then it's going to take you a lot of pain, struggle uh, to figure this out because it's not meant to be together. It's like, you know, taking an engine from uh, a BMW, then you take uh, a Camaro, you know, chassis, and then you take a, a Ferrari, like the car, and you try to tape it together. It's not going to work. So you need you need a system. And then when you get healthy revenue stream, when you start uh, getting that money into your business, then you can actually start thinking, how can you take those assets and relocating them somewhere where you can leverage a little bit more? And that is learning marketing, hiring a marketing expert to show you how to get on that next level. Also, uh, number two, what I suggest is, you know, Having the activities that are bringing you money, doing more of those activities and removing the activities that are not making you money. I mean, it kind of makes sense. But basically, um, it's been said that about 50% of the activities that people, a sales force or uh, individuals are involved, they're not wealth producing. If they're not wealth producing, that means they're wealth reducing. If they're not making money, that means they cost money. So going as well, uh, as well again, to the balance sheet process, being very uh, open, being very truthful to yourself without uh, justifying them. You take a balance sheet, you write down on all, all the cons. You write down all of the activities that are not making you money. Am I here? Okay, that are not making you money. And do not justify it. You know, if it's like, I do not know sales, just write it down. Don't justify it. Why? You know, don't say, oh, I've never had time. I didn't have the money or the energy. Uh, not knowing sales, not knowing marketing, partying too much. Maybe it's like oversleeping, Netflixing, you know, write down all of those activities that are negative. And conversely, then you write down all of the activities that are positive, that are making you money, right? And then identifying the top 20% of the activities that you have in your business that is making you the most amount of money, the old good old Pareto principle, 2080 rule. And then when you identify those, well, basically you want to do more of those. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a profound uh, knowledge, but actually how to create time for that is going back to that, your, uh, your uh, wealth reducing activities and actually see where you can transform certain things. But what is more important is to create a not to do list. Because same as having insidious cancer people in your organization, you, it's the same with your activities. You can do a lot of things right. You can have one or two or three things that are completely cancerous, that are very detrimental, that can set you back or even destroy you. So having a not-to-do list is probably more important than even to-do list. And find those detrimental activities that you do and commit wholeheartedly and fully that you're not going to do them. And then you take that time or whatever that time is, an hour or two or three, and you move it into that time of 
2080. Probably is going to be sales, marketing, and networking. You know, th those are the commonalities. And third, what I always do suggest is check your pricing. And another second thing that I see with small businesses, you know, when the going is tough or the individuals, is what they do. First thing, you know, they, they cut the cost of sales and marketing. Second thing, invariably, is they start to reduce the price point. And you do not want to do that, obviously, because if you start reducing price points, you're reducing the margins. If you reduce the margins, obviously, you're losing profits. And then you go again and again, and you start starving your business and you literally kill that business. You do not want to do that. Now, if you have all of the processes in place, if you, you know how to get engaged, involve your people, how to over deliver, and you, it appears that you're attracting best talent or you are one, if you're a solopreneur, you are reducing all of the, you know, wealth reducing activities and you, you, you find a way how to over deliver, you want to increase your price points. And sometimes people ask me, Albert, you know, increasing my price points, that's scary. <laughs> I mean, going bankrupt is even scarier. Now, you can't just increase the price point. You need to be able to uh, actually increase the perceived value that you're giving. And that, you know, goes by the virtue of maybe adding some bonuses, you know, uh, in interest of uh, time. And we'll not go deep into it, but increasing the price points and over delivering will actually give you that healthy revenue stream. You're going to actually increase the value of the existing client platform that you have. And, you know, that basically would be the three three things um, that I would uh, that I would suggest. And just by the, for the last one that I think uh, I wanted to just add, just I feel that the piece is missing is you do not want to cheapen that experience. You know, you want to attract customers, you want to attract clients that they look the best because you are and you're striving to be the best and they are willing to pay for that. And I'm just going to give a final example. I don't want to hijack this conversation totally, but um, it's like, you know, we know that uh, McDonald's is the most successful restaurant in the whole world. You know, it's simple. It's easy. You know, people that are working there, you know, they, they have pictures and people that are running restaurants. They could be 16 year old. They can run it successfully. And it's all great. And then you have a, a 99 cent burger and people are buying it left, right and center. But however, you know, if you have a special moment in your life, if you have a birthday or anniversary or promotion, graduation, whatever you want to celebrate, you have, want to have an indelible memory of of that moment, you're not going to go to McDonald's. 99 out of 100 people will go somewhere where they know their name, somewhere where they know what kind of water they like, what kind of pasta they like, what kind of bread they like, what kind of steak they like. And they're going to pay 10, 20, 50, 100,000, 2,000 times more. And you will be singing about it. You will be happy about it. You're going to tell all of your friends and family because you have a personal relationship. You have an experience and you will be willing to pay more money for that. And uh, basically, that would be the three three uh, takeaways that I would suggest uh, a solopreneur or a small business owner uh, to help. I think those are perfect. And you're singing my song with the experience because I think everything is a, can be experience-based. I, I love that. Angela, um, do you have anything to kind of lead us out since we're at our end of our time? No. Um, thank you so much for sharing your three points here at the end. I I have learned also the hard way of not uh, dropping your prices because you just, to your point, you starve your business, right? So, um, yeah, thanks for highlighting that. I think it's a really important lesson, especially as a solopreneur and with the hardships that all these businesses have had to go through in the last couple of years. Absolutely. So highlight that one more time. And Coach Ray, do you have anything? Uh, you know, he, he started down a road that I'd love to have another conversation with because, uh, you know, dropping price, price points 
are so that it's so wrong to do. I think a lot of business owners, you know, they, they figure that they can uh, discount their their pricing and and compete where they need to actually increase their pricing and 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 work on other things. Also, it's also about keeping your customer. I wanted to talk about that, Albert. So maybe I'll bring Albert on Coach Ray Speaks podcast. I'd love to talk to you in in deep about that because that's so important. People don't understand. It's not just about getting the customer in the door. It's about keeping that customer. And what are you doing? Did you spend more money getting a new customer, but you need to spend money in keeping your current customer base? Absolutely. Absolutely. Super important. I, Good point. I, I agree. And, and and I mean, the price, it, it's a race to the bottom. So if you're not planning on being the cheapest, then forget the price altogether. Figure out where you need the pricing to be. And, you know, that's one thing that I tell people on a regular basis. And I think I think there are a lot of business owners that struggle with that. So I love that. And Albert, it's been great having you on. And I'll make sure I connect you with Coach Ray since, you know, he Absolutely. wants to continue the conversation. Absolutely. He wants to tap into your brilliance. And, um, oh, thank you. Yeah, I've, I've, I've learned a lot. So I think it's, it's yeah. fabulous. So um, this was Business Acceleration Playbook. Make sure that you follow us on the Business Acceleration Playbook Facebook page. Um, It's kind of sad and lonely over there right now. It's a newer page. And I'm Maria Daniels, and this is Angela Buckley with Creative Efficient and Coach Ray from the Coach Ray Speaks podcast. We were missing Jeff Dewalskin today. Um, He had a client call that he couldn't miss. So um, shout out to Jeff. And um, he has hashtag uh, Stampede. And then Albert, can you tell everybody where they can follow you real quick before we end. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Albert Orsos. That's my LinkedIn. Uh, I have sales uh, underscore, uh, excuse me, Albert underscore sales underscore loop. That's my Instagram. Um, and also you can find me on Facebook, obviously, or you're seeing it right now. And I have a, a webpage, sales.l or iil.com. Basically, it's Albert Orsos ideas implementation lab and as a final note i just want to say thank you for having me i really had a tremendous tremendous time and uh it was very very good to, uh to interact and engage with you on the stage it was, it was a pleasure it's been great. great to meet you yeah really enjoyed it all right well thank you so much and we will stay in touch and i'll be in touch with you because i'm going to follow up with you with some stuff too so thank you so much and angela Kajre, thank you like usual and jeff we miss oh, yeah. you. yep awesome bye bye Bye-bye.